This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. You may be seated if you have a Bible. We are going to be in Acts chapter 12. Now, 2024 is a year of miracles at Faith Christian Center. I, I say that by faith, but we're already reading miracle testimonies in 2024. And I believe that if we will take action and enter into worship with all of our might, with all of our strength, and believe God's word, and confess God's word, take action on God's word, we will see great miracles among us in 2024. And like in the testimony that Pastor Sue just read, these testimonies are not just financial. They're not just physical. God puts broken lives back together. Amen. What is impossible with man is completely possible with God. Amen? Amen? And I said in December that 2024 will be a year of doubling. With God, all things are possible. Not only are all things possible with God, but all things are possible for him that believes. How many of you are completely all right with 2024 being a year of doubling in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we need it. We need the blessing of the Lord upon the congregation. However, that requires that you and I do our part. On Vision Sunday, January Sunday, I challenged all of us to do these things in 2024. Be in church every time the doors are open. That is when you're in town. Be on time, be early, worship the Lord with all of your strength and with all of your enthusiasm. And then at least once a month, tell somebody about Jesus. And, and I'm, uh, I'm working on this myself, amen. And we have plenty. We print them by the thousands, God's very own child, in English and Spanish. You're welcome to them. And at our house, we have a stack in English and a stack in Spanish, depending on who we're talking to, who's working at the house. Give them away. Use it as an entrance point of conversation. But tell somebody about Jesus at least once a month and then pray for somebody who's sick in person at least once a month. Yeah, but I, I prayed for my sister-in-law in Tupelo. We did that over the phone. That's great. But there's something about praying for somebody to be healed in person and uh, do that at least once a month. And if you'll do these things in 2024, a year from now, you will not even recognize your own life because of what God has done in your life. Now, we saw a lot of miracles at Faith Christian Center in 2023, but we're believing for more in 2024. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So what we've been doing in 2023 and here at the first part of 2024 is marching through the New Testament and looking at the miracles of the New Testament. And we've been saying that if God's people would look for and apply 
the principles and patterns that they see, not just in the New Testament, but in the Word of God, with regard to healing and miracles and financial provision, they could live their lives and hardly have an unmet need. Now, the message today is a combo. Peter delivered out of prison by an angel, that's miracle 44, and then God smites Herod so that he dies, that's miracle 45. Why did I combine them? Because I didn't want to spend next Sunday talking about God killing somebody. So, and it all works together, it's kind of the same story. Now, we made a big deal, Austin and I, last Sunday about how wonderful things were in Acts chapter 9. And actually, one of the verses that I confess over this church every day comes out of Acts chapter 9. The church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it lived in the fear of the Lord, and the Lord added to the numbers greatly. Well, today we're in Acts chapter 12, and times changed between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 12. I hate to admit it, but... A couple of years ago, I was out praying one morning, and I told the Lord, I said, I'm feeling it. I, I'm, I'm just a little weary. And it's amazing to me. I can talk to the Lord for days and not hear anything, but sometimes something comes out of my mouth, and I mean immediately he responds. And on that occasion, he immediately responded. And he was so kind, and he was so gentle, and he was so affirming, and he said, my son, I know it. But he said, we must work while it's day, because the night is coming when no man can work. Do you understand? You know, I, I didn't know why last evening I was, I was just feeling a little down. When I headed out the front door this morning, and I asked the Lord about that. He said, well, you, you read the news. You know, yesterday afternoon, I thought, oh, well, that's not very complicated. I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's all bad. I mean, it's getting worse. I mean, everybody, since the lockdowns, everybody's gotten crazier than ever. You know what I'm saying? But that has nothing to do with God on his throne. And that has nothing to do with Jesus raised from the dead. And that has nothing to do with Satan conquered forever by the living Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout out loud, we must work, we must work. While, it's day, while it's day, for the night is coming, night is coming. when no man can work. No Shout it again, we must work, we must work. While, it's day, while it's day, for the night is coming, night is coming. when no man can work. No man can work. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, we... We, we can see what's going on and, and not get bummed out, amen. Focus on the task at hand and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And actually, it is a great and a high compliment that God has chosen us to be on the planet in this hour. Amen. Amen. To work while it's day. But anyway, last Sunday, Austin and I were pointing out, you know, those were great days, Acts chapter 9. Uh, the church was enjoying a time of peace, strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. 
They lived in the fear of the Lord. They were growing exponentially under the blessing of the Lord. Well, now we come to chapter 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword when he saw that this pleased the Jews. Now that is critical. Say it out loud. When he saw, when he saw that this pleased the Jews. If you have not figured it out, it, it, it does not matter what political party, these people go by opinion polls. That's all they care about. And so that's what Herod was doing. I mean, they didn't have polls back then, but he saw that it pleased the Jews, so he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now think about what Luke is saying here. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword when he saw that, it, that this pleased the Jews. He proclaimed, he proceeded to seize Peter also. I think we can see in 2024, in these last days, that the heathen want us dead. They want us gone. Listen, when the rapture happens, they're not going to wonder about where you went. They're just going to be glad you're gone. Now, what happened to the original apostles? The only biblical record we have is right here. James the Greater, he is called, the son of Zebedee and brother of the apostle John, was beheaded with a sword at the order of Herod Agrippa around 44 AD. He was the first apostle to be martyred. History tells us that he was executed near Palestine and not far from where he was a local missionary to the Jews in Judea. His accuser was converted by James Courage and the two of them were beheaded together. History tells us that Philip was tortured and impaled by iron hooks in his ankles and hung upside down to die in 54 AD in Heliopolis, Egypt. He preached in Ferga, which was in the Roman province of Asia near Ephesus in Turkey. History tells us that Andrew, the brother of Peter, was crucified. He was bound, not nailed, to an X-shaped cross at Patras, Achaia, which is in southern Greece in 60 AD. He hung there alive for two days, preaching to the spectators for two whole days until he died. History tells us that Matthew, also called Levi, was staked and speared to the ground. In 60 AD, he preached the gospel in Ethiopia and was killed for questioning the morals of the king. History tells us that James, that is the half-brother of Jesus, who also wrote the book of James, was the first bishop of the church in Jerusalem, the church father Clement of Alexandria tells us that James was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and was then beaten to death with a club in 62 AD. History tells us that Matthias, who took the place of Judas, was stoned and beheaded in Jerusalem in 64 AD. History tells us that the apostle Paul was beheaded in Rome at the order of the insane emperor Nero, in 64 AD, history tells us that Simon, also called Peter, was crucified in 68 AD Rome at the order of 
Nero. He was crucified upside down at his request because he did not consider himself to be crucified the same way that his Lord and Savior Jesus had been crucified. History tells us that Mark, also called John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark as dictated by Peter, the one who ran from the Garden of Gethsemane, dropping his outer cloak at the arrest of Jesus, was dragged to death in Alexandria, Egypt, on the 25th of April in 68 AD. History tells us that Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was skinned alive and then crucified upside down by the idolaters of Armenia, which is in Western Asia near Turkey, around 71 AD. He was the most traveled of the disciples after Jesus' death. Bartholomew preached the gospel in Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq, Persia, which is modern-day Iran, Ethiopia, Arabia, and even India. History tells us that Jude, also called Thaddeus, who wrote the book of Jude, was beaten with a club, then crucified in 72 AD in the city of Ephesus, Turkey, while on a missionary trip that went to Persia, modern-day Iran. History tells us that Thomas, also called Didymus, was thrust through with a spear on the 21st of December in 72 AD in India. Thomas preached the gospel in Parthia, modern-day Iran, and Kerala, India, which is in southern India, where yet today the Mar Thomas Church still stands. History tells us that Simon, also called Simon the Zealot, was crucified in Britain in 74 AD, then sawn in half. Let me tell you what, the people are wicked. I mean, when somebody's been crucified and dead, why saw them in half? I'm telling you, it, nothing is new. What the evil that we're seeing is just man on the run amok. I mean, it's the same thing that's been going on. Why am I rehearsing all of this? Well, because in 40 years I never have. And also, let us stop being misty about somebody being mean to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about growing a backbone? How about, how about not being ashamed? How about standing tall? Amen. Amen. Because we have... I mean, we have not paid any price at all. I know some people here this morning have been fired for your faith. <laughs> well, that's not like being skinned alive and crucified upside down. History tells us that Luke the physician was hung from an olive tree in Thebes, Greece in 84 AD. History tells us that James the lesser Son of Alphaeus was crucified in Lower Egypt where he was preaching the gospel. The year is unknown. And history tells us that John, the apostle John, was plunged into boiling oil, but it didn't kill him. <laughs> so they shipped him off to exile on the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. He is the only original follower of Jesus to die a natural death. He died in 100 AD at the age of 93. Hallelujah. Sue and I stood in the cave on Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. 
My, 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 my. God needed him to write that book so he was spared and kept alive. Chapter 12, verse 4, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. Now, if you went to school before maybe uh, 1995 or so, what is four times four? What is it? How many of you understand that that's a lot of soldiers to guard one guy? How many of you understand if you put 16 guys to guard one guy, you fully intend that that one guy not get free? Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Again, this was all about opinion polls or what would have been popular opinion. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. So we have the 16, but now he's sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. A little bit of overkill on the guarding. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, I don't care what Satan has got a raid against you. I don't care what this old world is trying to do to you. I don't care what the devil is trying to do to your body. I don't care. It does not matter because we serve a God in heaven who is greater than the devil and all the devil's politicians and all the devil's workers. Shout out loud five times, my God is greater. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening, he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. Thank God, I'm talking about the God that doesn't even need a set of keys. It opened for them by itself, and they went through. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt, that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Now, we had a guest speaker here at Faith Christian Center a few years ago who said that James was murdered because the church didn't pray and uh, Peter was saved because the church did pray. And that same guy later elsewhere said that if Peter and Paul had had greater faith, they wouldn't have been martyred for Christ. If I was that ignorant, I'd be too ashamed to stand in a pulpit. Peter and Paul being martyred for Christ had nothing to do with their lack of faith. <laughs> there is one crown I'm not believing for, and that's the martyr's crown. It's the hardest crown to get. Whew, that went right over your heads. I said, that's one I'm not believing for. But it is the highest crown. Hallelujah. 
It obviously wasn't the faith of the disciples that saved Peter because when Peter showed up at the door, they did not even believe it was him and they said Rhoda was crazy. Verse 12, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and his servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind. They told her, that's a lot of faith. You're out of your mind. Tell your neighbor, that's a lot of faith. I'm being facetious. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. <laughs> So obviously it wasn't their faith that got Peter released from prison. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter, now listen, do not miss the Holy Week Revival 2024 because I'm going to be talking about how we ought not waste our time praying in unbelief. They were praying, and they were praying earnestly, but they were obviously praying in unbelief because when God answered them, they didn't believe it. <laughs> I, I, I wonder why you're not shouting me down. You know why? Because you're wondering, what does it mean to pray in unbelief? We have got to, and don't miss the power of lunch march too. We're going to be talking about the mind. We have got to reject every thought of failure. We have got to not entertain every thought of failure. We have got to not entertain every thought of defeat. We have got to not entertain every thought of doubt. We have got to not entertain every thought of unbelief. And we have got to pre-play. We've got to see what we're praying about coming to pass. I said we have got to see what we're praying about coming to pass. And then we're not going to be astonished when it shows up. Amen. So what did happen? Well, verse 6, the night before Herod was about to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood at guard at the entrance. And then we see a familiar pattern. Step number one, say it. And here... We have an angel saying it, which is unusual. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Struck him. How is every year in the annual Bible reading? I always think that's interesting. I don't know about you, but in my life, sometimes I need, I, need, I don't know if I need a kick in the britches or what, but sometimes I need uh, the Lord to strike me, get my attention. Wake me up. Get me out of my rut. Amen. Get me to stop acting like I've been acting. The angel struck him. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off. Say it out loud, the chains fell off. Say it out loud, my chains are falling off. Say it out loud, Satan's got no hold on me. Say it this way, the devil's got no hold on me. Amen. The chains fell off. Peter's wrist, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, so the angel said it. Now this is the first time in the New Testament 
that an angel said it in this kind of situation, a miracle ministry, miracle situation. Now, it's always been either the person who needed the healing, like the woman with the issue of blood, or it's been Jesus or one of the disciples who said something. But here, it is an angel. The angel said it, step number two, do it, verses eight and nine. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. See, in other words, deliverance could be in the cell, but you gotta cooperate. God can show up with your answer, but you gotta cooperate. Amen. Amen. I don't even wanna know how many times the Lord told me to do something, and it was my answer, and I balked. That's a baseball term, I balked. In other words, I stumbled. I didn't take action on what God told me to do. I don't wanna think about that. All I wanna do is do what he tells me to do from this day to my last day. Because there is great power in doing what the Lord says do. Amen. Amen. So Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sue and I followed him right out of not enough to enough, and we followed him right out of enough to more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you got to follow God when he calls. You got to follow the word of God as you discover it in your study. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that the, what the angel was really doing was happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. So the angel said it, Peter did it, number three. Peter received it, verses nine and 10. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards. I mean, think about it, think about it. The chains fall off. The door flies open. They pass the first guards. Not only that, there's two guards in the cell. There's 16 assigned to the case. They walk past the first gate. They walk past the second gate. They walk to the main gate. It opens on its own. Hallelujah. Shout it out loud. The deliverance of the Lord, the of the Lord. is complete. Yes. You know, I'm praying about something in my own life, and uh, I don't know if it's my mind. I don't trust my mind anymore. <laughs> because you can, have, you can have faith in your heart when you have doubt in your mind. And so I'm, I'm disciplining myself to try and go more by the spirit and less by the mind. But something or somebody is trying to get me to compromise on something I'm believing God, with, God for. Well, how about this? It's a partial healing thing. No, nope, not gonna have that. I'm believing for total, complete healing. And then a day or two or three later, well, how about this? <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna settle for that either. Listen, I don't know who's talking sometimes, it could be the devil, it could be the mind, it could be your mother-in-law. I'm, I'm not sure who's talking, but a lot of times something, somebody's talking and it's not the Lord. Get, to want you to compromise, to, to want you to settle, to want you to knuckle under, 
to want you to give in. Say it out loud. Peter's deliverance was thorough. And Peter's deliverance was complete. And my deliverance is thorough. And my deliverance is complete. And you see that? I mean, God took care of it from the inner cell to the street. They passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. So the angel said it, Peter did it, Peter received it, and step number four, tell it. Now listen to me here, our job is to tell it, not to make people receive it. I said our job is to tell it, not to make people receive it. If they believe, great. If they don't believe, we'll just keep telling it to somebody else. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. It was easier to get out of jail than it was to get into the house with the disciples. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. We're going to be talking about this in the power lunch on March 2 in the Holy Week revival. We have not just got to set a guard and a watch on our mouth. We have got to set a guard and a watch on our mind. So that when we pray, we are in a posture of faith and we are anticipating the answer. They were not anticipating the answer because if they had been anticipating the answer, they would not have been astonished when the answer was knocking on the door. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and John, tell, excuse me, tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. So they must, they were praying all right, but they weren't praying in faith. Pray expecting God to hear and to answer. I said, pray expecting God to hear and to answer. And in conclusion, Herod got his. And this is actually miracle number 45 in the New Testament. God smites Herod so that he dies. Picking up in verse 18 in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. That was standard Roman operating procedure. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, 
This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Now, when I read that, you were horrified. But that's what's been going on in these United States really ever since probably 2008. This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. I'm telling you, an angel of God can come by and set you free or an angel of God can strike you down. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the right side of that equation. Hallelujah. 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 I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. <laughs> Glory to God. I know a bunch of folks in 2024, <laughs> they're gonna get struck down and they're gonna get eaten by worms. Hallelujah. But the word of God, 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 continue to increase and spread. So the word of God outlives any man. The word of God outlives any tyrant. The word of God outlives any despot. Now just like Herod got his, just like Herod got his, all these evil, wicked people doing sexual experiments on children and mandating poison injections and all the rest, they are going to get theirs. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. The Lord knows everything that's going on. Our job is not to be concerned with all of that. Our job is to see that the Word of God continue and that the Word of God increase. And our job is to tell it and tell it and tell it and tell it and see how many we can save before the end comes. That's our job. And if they, if they believe, great. And if they don't believe, go tell somebody else. But don't try and build your Christianity and your life and your testimony and your faith on Herod. Our job is to tell as many as we can before the end. Friends, I believe that in 2024, like the early church, God wants us to have, like Acts chapter 9, a time of peace, a time of being strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and a time, as gr a time of growth as we live in the fear of the Lord. Live a life of answered prayer. If you're not getting answers to your prayer, find out more about prayer. Tweak your prayer life. Change your prayer life. Do something different. Don't just keep doing the same thing that doesn't work. 
Live a life of miracles. Write your own ticket with God by saying it, doing it, receiving it, and telling it. And as God blesses you, and as God answers you, and as God does mighty miracles in your life, do not just keep it all to yourself. Tell others. Tell others about the goodness of God. Tell others about the love of God. Tell others about the grace and the mercy of God. Tell others about his healing power. Tell others about Jesus, that he lived for them, and he died for them, and he paid a price for their sins, and that he is not in the grave, but that he is risen. He is alive, and he still does miracles today. Tell others that Jesus still saves today. Tell others that Jesus still heals today. Tell others that Jesus still delivers today. Tell others that Jesus still blesses today. Tell others, tell others, tell others, tell others, tell others, tell others. Tell your neighbor, tell others. Tell the neighbor on the other side, tell others. And not everybody will believe it. And then there'll be others and they'll pretend for a while. And then there'll be others and they'll live it for a while. Then they'll turn away from it. Can't be bothered with all of that. Can't be thinking about all of that. Can't be distracted with all of that. We must work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. Amen. And our job is to tell it and to save as many as we can because death is coming and hell is coming with him. The days are short. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You've never given your life to Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter three, you must be born again. He said in Revelation chapter three, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. You see, the work's been done. Jesus paid the price. And therefore, the decision is ours. We can hear the good report. We can believe what Jesus has done for us. We can receive him into our life. And we can enter the kingdom of God through him and have a relationship with Father God. But it only happens by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of our lives individually and personally. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, you've heard the word preached, maybe you haven't. Could be the first time you've ever heard the word. But you've never individually and personally made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life, but you'd like to do so this morning. I'd like for you to lift a hand up. You say, Pastor, I want to be included in this prayer. I want to give my life to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, how many others? How many others would say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to God. Anyone else here this morning? You may put your hands down. There are others here this morning. You're backslidden. You know it. Nobody needs to tell you when you're backslidden. You know it. Your heart's not on fire for the Lord like it used to be. You, you're not doing right. You've, you've reconnected to the old friends, old habits, old patterns, old lifestyle. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. I'm not living for the Lord like I once did. In fact, I'm not living for the Lord like I promised him I would. But like we began the service, 
The mercies of God are new every morning. Well, take advantage of that and recommit your life to the Lord this morning. How many would say, Pastor, I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should. But Pastor, I don't want to remain in a backslidden condition. Pray for me. I want to recommit my life to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Yes, yes. How many others? Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Everybody in the room, let's stand up. We want to make opportunity for people to get past us to come to the front this morning. If you raised your hand for either invitation, I want you to gather your belongings in hand. I want you to step boldly into that aisle and join me here at the front. You know, this whole world out here is bold about their craziness. I think we ought to be bold about our profession in the Lord Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Anybody, if the Lord is calling you, drawing you, speaking to you, and you want to come forward, you're welcome to. Amen. The days are short. We don't want to be playing around with it. We want to live for Him. And He'll give you the power. Satan's lying to you and telling you that you can't do this and you can't do that. And you're unable to do this and you're unable to do that. Satan's a liar. Jesus made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. Satan is, de is forever defeated. But his gift is deception. So he lies. So what we have to do is counter the lie by going to the Word of God to see what's true. And what's true is that Christ has redeemed us, hallelujah, from the curse of the law. And Satan is defeated. Everybody in the room, let's pray. Father God, we stand before you today. I stand before you today. And I give you my life. Time's gone by. Gone my own way. Done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But I turn from that old way of living. I repent. And I give you my life. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Purify me. Sanctify me. Take out of my heart anything that would hinder me in my walk with you. I believe in my heart, Father God, that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. So I thank you, Father God, for accepting me into your family and not rejecting me. <clears throat> I thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. This is Jeff Hughes. We're going to take you to a place, give you a copy of my book, God's Very Own Child. We'll get you right back in the service as quick as we can. Let's give God thanksgiving for them. Hallelujah. Lift both hands. Say, thank you, Father God. Jesus made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. So Satan is utterly defeated in my life, in my body, in my mind. Satan is utterly defeated. And Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Hallelujah. 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 Call him what he is, defeated. Don't glorify him with your mouth. 
I said, call the devil what he is, defeated. Do not glorify him with your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the work of your holy child, Jesus. Hallelujah.